0: If you like moving art, you may also like another NLB podcast we have called Radio DDC. It's a series where we look into stories from the National Library’s collections. Radio DDC is now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to Moving Art. Quiet. Here we go. Welcome to Moving Art where we explore topics and themes related to the field of the performing arts. Whether it's film, theatre, music or dance, I hope there's something here that appeals to you. Hi, I'm Melissa Kawasoe, and I'm from Singapore's only public performing arts library, the Library at Esplanade. This is the third installment of a four-part Film Talk series in which I'll chat about various topics in film, ranging from genres to fun facts about the one invention that changed the way we look at mass entertainment in the 20th century. When we think of cartoons, what generally comes to mind as a parent are Saturday morning kids' cartoons designed to interrupt your fantasy of sleeping in. But did you know that cartoons have a history that spans thousands of years and that animated films are not just for children? Simply put, cartoons or animated films involves photographing a sequence of two-dimensional drawings that when screened at high speeds, gives the illusion of motion. But long before the advent of film technology, people have attempted to capture motion in still drawings. These examples can be found in Paleolithic cave paintings where animals are sometimes represented with multiple legs in superimposed positions. Things only got more advanced after that. Magic lanterns invented by Christian Hegan in 1659 are an early type of image projector that flashed pictures on transparent plates and featured one or more lenses and a light source. These were commonly used for entertainment and educational purposes in the 19th century. You might be more familiar with the thaumatrope, invented around 1825. It's a disc with a picture on each side attached to two pieces of string. When the strings are twirled quickly between the fingers, the pictures appear to blend into one, providing the illusion of motion. The phenakistoscope was the first animation device to employ a rapid succession of sequential pictures in 1833. It's basically a round disc of evenly spaced out images with small rectangular slits cut around the rim of the disc. Viewing the images through the slits of the spinning disc while standing in front of a mirror creates the illusion of motion. In some ways, it's reminiscent of the Viewmaster, a kid's toy introduced in 1939, but popular all the way till the late 80s. It features pictures printed on transparent frames set around a disc that slots into a plastic viewfinder, and you push on a lever to move the frame sequentially. But the most enduring form of animation device has to be the flipbook, invented in 1868. Mind-bogglingly simple, it's a book with images that you flip with your thumb, springing the pages free to create the illusion of motion. Fun fact, many early film animators cited flipbooks as their inspiration. One of them is American cartoonist Windsor McKay, who produced some of the earliest animated films, Little Nemo and Gertie the Dinosaur. The simplicity of flipbooks is such that they are regularly produced by bored students in classes, even today. Of course, there are other animation devices I didn't mention, but by the 20th century, hand-drawn animation or images painted on transparent celluloid sheets or cells became the dominant animation technique. Cartoons as we know it today began with the first animated short, created by Frenchman Emile Cole in 1908. Titled Phantasmaguri, the one-minute, 20-second clip featured line drawings of objects that transform into other objects. Each frame was drawn on paper and then shot on negative film, creating a chalkboard feel to the whole clip. In 1928, Walt Disney's Mickey Mouse was born and featured in the first-ever animated sound cartoon, Steamboat Willie. From there on, Cartoons or animation cemented its place as a viable medium for entertainment. Now that you know how animation came about, let's take a quick peek at some of the earliest animated works targeted at adults and adolescents. In 1954, Soitsmultfilm, a Russian animation studio based in Moscow, produced Illegible Signature by Alexander Ivanov a satire on bad leaders. The same year in Britain, an animated adaptation of George Orwell's novel Animal Farm was produced. Like the book, it is meant to be a critique of Stalinism with characters serving as analogues to figures from the Russian Revolution of 1917. Come and visit Animal Farm, where all animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. In 1973, France released Fantastic Planet, or La Planète Sauvage, an adult animated science fiction film directed by René Laloux. The story about humans living on a strange planet dominated by giant humanoid aliens who consider them animals went on to win the Grand Prix Special Jury Prize at the 1973 Cannes Film Festival. By and large, adult animation from Europe was experimental. Commercial success wasn't very high on the priority list. Box office revenue and widespread acceptance of cartoons for adults would come, but from the other side of the Atlantic. 1940s Fantasia was Walt Disney Productions' third animated feature film after Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and Pinocchio. Conceived as a musical where the animation was choreographed to match classical music pieces, Fantasia was a daring experiment in abstract animation that earned critical acclaim but failed to perform in the box office because of World War II. The next most visible effort by Disney to create animation for an adult audience is probably 1988's film Who Framed Roger Rabbit? a collaboration with Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment. It was a box office success and helped revive an interest in American animation. A mix of live action and cartoon, the story is about a toon-hating detective who is a cartoon rabbit's only hope to prove his innocence when he is accused of murder. Here's a clip from the scene where Roger's wife, Jessica Rabbit, saves Eddie the detective. I always knew I'd get it in Toontown. Behind you! <laughs> Drop it, lady! I just saved your life and you still don't trust me? I don't trust anybody or anything. Not even your own eyes? But increasingly, animation made specifically for adults found more headway on the small screen than the box office. In 1989, The Simpsons. debuted on Fox a parody of American Life set in the fictional town of Springfield, the series has gone on to win several Emmy Awards. Created by Matt Groening, the 32nd season premiered in September 2020 and is still ongoing. Fun fact, the series has made several interesting predictions over the years that have actually come true. In 2000's episode, Bart to the Future, Lisa mentions that Donald Trump is the president. As you know, we've inherited quite a budget crunch from President Trump. How bad is it, Secretary Van Houten? We're broke. The country is broke. How can that be? Many fans have since rummaged through hours of Simpsons footage to find out what the show's predictions for 2021 are, since it has also predicted smartphones, FaceTime, and other technological advances. Not sure if any of you out there remembers this pair, but in 1993, Beavis and Butthead, an animated sitcom based on a short film by Mike Judge, premiered on MTV. If you've never sat through an entire episode, I'm sure you'd at least recognize their iconic laugh. (laughs) You're pretty cool, Beavis. (laughs) In 1997, the adult animated sitcom, South Park, made its debut on Comedy Central. Created by Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the series is set in a small Colorado town and became famous for its crude, dark, and satirical humor. Here's a clip of Kyle's Dreidel song featuring Cartman. Dreidel, 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 with Dreidel I shall play. Hey, what the hell are you doing? South Park was such a hit that the feature-length version, South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, was released in cinemas in 1999. The series is now in its 24th season, which includes a bonus one-hour pandemic special. I am very proud to announce a pandemic special! They're gonna try and make us go back to skew. You really wanna go back to that slavery? Dude, get out of my house! You could be spreading germs. Both South Park and The Simpsons have contributed substantially to counterculture and play a big part in influencing modern comedy. Since their debut, they have also paved the way for pushing boundaries and topics and themes covered in adult animation, giving us, more than ever, a wider selection of adult cartoons to choose from. 1999's Family Guy by Seth MacFarlane has beaten several attempts at cancellation, and it's now on its 20th season. Infamous for its controversial humor and cutaway gags, the adventures of a dysfunctional Irish Rhode Island family have delighted fans for the last two decades thanks to its wide range of family humor, cynical commentary, and sci fi adventures. Here's a sneak peek of the kind of humor to expect in the series. We now return to. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. There's also Bojack Horseman, a Netflix animated sitcom created by Raphael Bob Waxberg in 2014. It's about a horse who is a former sitcom star attempting a comeback while also dealing with addiction and depression. You know, sometimes I feel like I was born with a leak. And any goodness I started with just slowly spilled out of me and now it's all gone. Don't be sad. Good horse. Despite covering topics like dementia, infertility, depression, and marriage problems, the series is brilliantly funny. The background of any given shot inevitably includes a joke hidden in plain sight. These usually pop up in places such as movie posters and book spines, while the characters in the foreground do their thing. An example of this includes a TV news crawl which reads, Giraffe CEO Breaks Glass Ceilings. Attention, swimmers. Or, swimmer. Got some announcements to make here. Sunday's at 10. It's all kids out of the pool for Adult Swim. In 2001, Adult Swim, an arm of the Cartoon Network, was launched as late night programming catered to the adult audience. It featured risque themes, crude humor, and a lot more strong language than you'd expect from a cartoon channel. One of Adult Swim's most successful adult animations is 2013's original offering, Rick and Morty, by Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon. The series is about an ill-tempered scientific genius, Rick Sanchez, and his teenaged grandson, Morty Smith. Rick reappears after a long absence in the hopes to reconnect with his daughter, but has more luck with his grandson, Morty, who joins him on adventures that take them all over the multiverse. Here's a clip from the episode where Morty can hear animals talking. That kid is watching us. So? We're squirrels. He's a kid. He's watching us like he hears what we're saying. Hey, kid. Young man. Come here, little boy. Tell Daphne to run a 199 on a possible do-little. Little boy, we'll give you wishes if you can hear us. Adult Swim has also helped popularize another style of adult animation to American audiences. Anime. Quite simply, anime refers to animation produced in Japan. In 1969, Osamu Tezuka and Eichi Yamamoto released the first of a series of three animated feature films for adults, Senya Ichiya Monogatari, which was later released in the U.S. as 1001 Arabian Nights. This was followed by Cleopatra, known to American audiences as Cleopatra, Queen of Sex. And finally, Kanashimi no Beradona, or Belladonna of Sadness. Here's an excerpt of the soundtrack from Belladonna of Sadness. Beradonna. However, when most people talk about anime nowadays, they are referring to works produced after 1980, when anime rose greatly in popularity both in Japan and the rest of the world. Modern anime are often adaptations of popular Japanese comics, known as manga, which is widely consumed by people of all ages, not just children. There are manga targeting businessmen, housewives, sports enthusiasts, you name it, they've got it. As a result, anime benefits from the fact that there's no age stigma associated with reading manga. 1988's Akira is a post-apocalyptic feature film set in the cyberpunk world of a destroyed Tokyo. It covers the adventures of Kaneda, the leader of a biker gang and his friend Tetsuo, as well as their struggles to contain Tetsuo's growing telekinetic powers while trying to avoid capture by government forces at the same time. Considered as one of the representative films of the cyberpunk genre, Akira is seminal for its production values and art design, and has been credited for introducing adult animation to global audiences. Here's a scene from the dubbed version of the film, where Kaneda finally realizes the immensity and dangers of Tetsuo's powers. Akira is an amoeba then? Amoebas don't build their own houses and bridges, do they? They just devour all the food they can find around them. Is that what Tetsuo's doing? Are you saying he has that kind of energy? Our next film is another cyberpunk showcase. 1995's Ghost in the Shell, directed by Mamoru Oshii. The story follows Motoko Kusanagi, the cyborg leader of an assault team in Newport City, Japan as she and her team hunt down a mysterious hacker named Puppet Master. In this world, cybernetics have advanced to the stage where human consciousness, or the ghost, can interface directly with the digital net and bodies are little more than shells to be discarded and replaced at will. The war accelerated both cyberbrain and prosthetic development. Of course, the cyber crimes born of such technology are serious, but they're only a symptom of another problem, and your unit can provide the perfect solution. A groundbreaking film which asks fundamental questions about how technology can change our lives, Ghost in the Shell has influenced movies such as The Matrix, and even spawned a Hollywood remake in 2017, starring Scarlett Johansson. They didn't just kill them into their minds. Major anime releases often top box office sales in Japan, but it's on television where the bulk of anime can be found. In 1998, Cowboy Bebop premiered on TV Tokyo, becoming a critical and commercial success. A sci-fi series with western and noir overtones The 26 episodes chronicle the adventures of a bounty hunter team on board their spaceship Bebop. Cowboy Bebop is currently being developed as a live-action series premiering on Netflix in 2021. But while we wait, here's a clip where bounty hunter Jet meets an old friend turned enemy who has a change of heart but didn't tell Jet. Hey, Jet. One bullet? You knew I'd take you out with your gun like this. Can you hand me a cigarette? Finally, we have 2006 Black Lagoon. The series follows a group of pirate mercenaries based in the fictional city of Roanapur in Thailand, which major figures of the underworld, such as the Japanese Yakuza, Italian and Russian Mafia, Chinese Triads and Central American drug cartels also call home. What emerges are stories with a strong international and political slant, which is rare in Japanese anime. This series is also highly self-referential with morally bankrupt characters that are way too cool for their own good and can sometimes pull at your heartstrings when you least expect it. It doesn't matter who you are or how you live. We all have to suffer, right? You have no intention of understanding that. Instead of owning up to things, you'd rather play the part of the tragic heroine. That's the most cowardly thing about you, Revy. SHUT UP! If you're wondering why I'm not covering Hayao Miyazaki's works, which certainly contain elements that talk to adult audiences, fret not. Good things come in due time. From arthouse films to blockbusters, Social satire to just pure fun entertainment, the creative possibilities that animation provide is limitless. But while animation is gaining acceptance as adult entertainment, it continues to suffer from the perception that it is for children. Sometimes, this is a blessing in disguise as it opens up interesting ways to start a conversation on difficult topics without having to take things too seriously. Do you have a favorite? Or are you someone who only watches cartoons because of your kids? As always, some of the titles I've mentioned are available for loan at our public libraries, so do check out the catalog for more details. There are also resources on films, including animation and filmmaking, available at the library at Esplanade. Thank you for tuning into this part, and I'll catch you again in the next one.